You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 147. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start by revisiting one of our popular Case 4 battles from a year ago. The battle pits two renewable energy companies, Greenlane Renewables Inc., symbol GRN on the TSX, and Zebic Absorption Inc., symbol XBC on the TSX, in a no-holds-barred cage match style. Just like one year ago, Aaron takes the bull case on Zebic, and I crush him mercilessly with the bull case for Greenlane. May the best renewable that I am arguing for win. Uncle Brennan sits in as judge, jury, and executioner. In our Your Stock, Our Take this week, we it comes from a listener on Jack Nathan Medical Corp, symbol JNH on the TSX Venture, an omni-channel healthcare provider that builds turnkey, barrier-free medical and dental clinics in high-density centers in Canada and internationally. The question is a follow-up to a Your Stock, Our Take from February of this year on the podcast, which we gave a firm no to buying the company with the stock trading at 85 cents. The stock is now down four. 43% since that time, and a listener asks us if there is value in the current range. Let's get into the show, guys. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? How was your well. weekend? Doing good, good. Doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm back to class up the podcast, you know. I wasn't here Wasn't here last week. Uh, <laughs> Record s- ratings last yeah, week. I, I, yeah, I thought everything Sorry, just went, went smoothly. I'm sure. I have a feeling that I'm things sure. are going to take a, a downhill slide from here on out, but... Well, you can there's tell. a chance. There's a chance, hmm. but uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be back. Um, I can say <laughs> how'd your my, test go? My test went pretty well. Um, you know, it was definitely a, a cram session at the end, but uh, I feel decently confident about it. I would say maybe sixty percent I passed, forty percent I didn't pass. So we will see. Um, I will get my results. Uh, I believe mid to late July. Um, so so that's when uh, when I'll, I'll let everybody know if. If I'm a failure or uh, if I'm... Well, we we'll already open know. that envelope we on air. We would like to know whether or not you passed the test, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing to do with failure, Brennan. Just yeah, we'll see. I... I gave it a good <laughs> shot. Um, if someone would have looked at my room uh, over the, you know, prior year before taking or leading up to the exam, every single piece of the wall of my room was basically covered in notes because that's how I like to study. So basically um, it looked like a crazy person. I Is it like, like one of those person. scenes in where you like you walk into the characters in a movie, you walk into the character's office and there's all these oh, crazy yeah. notes and scribbles yeah. and diagrams on the walls and that's when you realize the Definitely didn't is have any crazy. girls over. That's that's the truth. <laughs> and if you, 
If a neighbor would have looked in through the window, you would have had an RCMP visit relatively Probably. soon, is what you're saying. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. Or, but or it's another good. RCMP. I'm glad that it's over, and uh, now I've got a, a, a good summer ahead of me, you know, working and, and looking through stocks, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's going to be good. Well, congratulations, Brennan. I know be. from writing level two that just getting that off your yes. plate is, uh, is you know, a good accomplishment, and it... Um, mm-hmm. it just kind of opens up the summer you can enjoy yourself you put in their yes. studies and you mm-hmm. can just uh it, just enjoy yourself you might you remember the seinfeld episode where they had the summer of george it's a summer, it's of, summer brennan. of brennan yeah it's the summer of brennan well at least until yeah. brennan doesn't June. brennan doesn't get that reference i don't but at all at <laughs> no, least until the results i do watch come seinfeld oh, and then it's the summer right of after. us making fun george of fell down the stairs right after and <laughs> maybe i did see it i can't remember it's okay. It's a good episode. If any listeners know what the heck I'm talking about out there, uh, you let us know and uh, say the summer of Brennan is on. Now, I'm going to read a quick tweet here. I was looking through Twitter as I am to do at times. Um, I think it, it this comment here leads to some good quick debate that we're going to have at the start. But this was put out on Twitter. It said, the shorter your holding period in a stock, the more important the price you buy it at or the PE, price to book, et cetera, all these valuations that we use at, and the price you sell it at, the PE, the book then, et cetera. The the comment then is the longer your holding period in a stock, the more important the return on capital slash growth rate of the company you've invested in. So I have some quick thoughts on this, and then I'm going to get Brennan and Aaron to chime in. I I agree to a degree with this. Um, you know, and we like to look long term, but this statement does to me seem like it's a bit of a justification for owning great stocks or great growth stocks that appear in a traditional value sense to be overvalued or richly valued near term. But they are such great compounders long term that say in 10, 10 to 20 years forward, they are great buys even at higher valuations. Uh, this is very correct, I would say, for great growth businesses. The issue that I have is in practice, there are not truly many, truly great long-term growth businesses, or at the very least, they are difficult, very difficult to find for the average investor with a high level of certainty. So it's a great quote, but in practice, it relies on being uh, able to identify like these true unicorns, which can be really difficult to act on. I would say for every unicorn, truly tremendous, great capital compounder out there, uh, there are many businesses that are unable to continuously grow at well above average, say, over a 10 to 20 year period. That's very difficult to do. So if in practice you go and try to compose a portfolio of, say, 15 to 25 stocks based on this idea that growth in every stock that you invest in will just continue for decades unabated. So purchasing a stock at any price is kind of justifiable, then you're likely to be sadly disappointed over the long term if you think that every stock that you own is going to be like that. So I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, you guys. I also agree with it in a sense. Um, But I mean, in the short term, like I still think the PE can swing rapidly, even if you think you're paying a low uh, price for the value. Now, I know Ryan and Aaron would probably disagree with me on this a little bit, but I would also, you know, I'd probably rather look at some technical analysis. Now, I'm not recommending clients or anyone look at technical analysis. It's basically drawing fake lines or imaginary lines on the chart. But I feel like I'd almost, you know, 
focus on technical more in the short term along with you know supported by those low multiples uh, you're starting to cut out brennan I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. thought you were serious. I'm just getting rid of your technical. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys might even just all of a sudden cut my line off of the off of the mm-hmm. podcast here. Snip, there goes Brennan. But no, that's you know that that's what I think personally. And now in the longer term, you know, he says your holding period in a stock, the more important the return on capital or growth rate. Now I would say it's important that you're paying a, a low price or a, a good, yeah, a good price for the value, and you have that growth rate in the long term like it's not just all of a sudden the growth trumps the the valuation i don't know i think that both you should look at both um at all times you know even in the short term even in the long term you know forget my technical analysis again and and don't get me wrong like i'd rather play pay a reasonable or slightly you know in traditional valuation methods higher price for a great business than just pay a cheap price for an average business or a a terrible business of course but um there is some of this that comes in like an extreme example like if you want to pay ten thousand times earnings for a business that's growing at even 20 percent annually that would be great you'd need 10 plus years to start have that stock approach a range where the valuation is somewhat reasonable then you'd need 10 plus more years going forward at 20 percent to give you the returns that really a lot of people are looking for in that company. So I, I think, you know, when you're looking at it, you, you just can't pay any price for a stock, but you know, somewhere in the middle is likely a better place to be. Yeah, I'll just add in, I mean, I, I don't disagree with uh, with anything that you guys said, except for Brennan's comments. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I would just say Fair that, enough. you know, valuation for me is always the <laughs> secondary thing that I look at, not in terms of secondary to the, to the ultimate investment decision. But for example, if I'm looking, if I'm going through a large number of stocks trying to find good um, good ideas, good opportunities, I'm not looking at the valuations first. I mean, the valuations are something that I consider after I've determined if this is a fundamentally strong business. So ultimately, you know, I'm always looking for that company that's going to be able to grow, that's going to be able to uh, invest capital, get a good return off of that capital, and then grow the revenue and and the earnings per share. Now, I understand what this um, person was. This on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what yeah. this tweeter was was trying to say, or what he's saying, and that's that that you know, if you pay a higher valuation for a company, but you have a longer term time horizon, and it turns out to be a good growth stock, you know, eventually it will grow in to that valuation. So maybe it is a little bit overvalued, um, you know, but it's growing, and you're willing to hold it for five, ten years. So it's eventually gonna it's eventually gonna grow into that valuation, and then beyond. So that that makes sense. Um, I would say that it's very difficult to really pinpoint precisely what is, you know, considered undervalued, overvalued, or fairly valued in the market. Those are yeah. all just estimates. So when you're looking at a company, you know, say with a short-term perspective, um, and that company is, you know, trading at what you deem to be uh, a low valuation, a really attractive valuation, but you know, the growth rate isn't that great, say. Um, you know, but you think that the valuation, everything else considered, is really good. I, I personally would not consider that to be a good short-term opportunity. I think you would actually be better off if you're looking at just if you're looking at a short-term time horizon, like six months, one year. You would actually be better off embracing more of a momentum strategy or a financial momentum strategy where you are investing in a company that just has great momentum in terms of revenue and earnings growth. 
Um, and in that case, the valuation is probably going to be on the high end. Most companies in this market that you're going to deem as undervalued um, are going to have some type of a challenge or issue or risk that they're dealing with in the short term. So it's not, you know, typically in that case, you'd be looking at least the midterm time horizon of a couple of years. It's really hard to, to look at a company and say, well, you know, this company is trading at, you know, 10 times earnings. It's not really growing, but we think that, you know, the market has that wrong and it really should be trading at, you know, 13 times earnings or 14 times earnings. Um, it's really hard to, to, to make that analysis and expect the market to actually adjust its own market valuation over a six to 12 month period. Like maybe over time, if the business continues to perform well, the market is gonna adjust that valuation. But you know, typically I, I would say that if, if it's, it's a shorter term period, more of a momentum strategy is probably what somebody is, is, would, would wanna be looking for. And then longer term you know, or midterm, the valuation certainly can adjust. Um, and then, you know, I, I certainly, I, I agree with the person long-term, if you invest in a company that is growing consistently at a very impressive rate, and they're able to maintain that rate over an extended period of time, you know, unless it's grossly, grossly overvalued um, today, probably whatever the valuation is, it's going to grow into it. The risk is that the growth rate declines and it is not, it yeah. is not, is not maintained at as high a level as what it currently is or what you think it's going to be maintained at, in which case you could see if it's a highly valued company, you could see a valuation contraction to reflect a lower growth rate, even though that growth rate is, is still positive. So that's my thought, but all individual company by company, specific situations, every company's different. Every situation's different. Yeah. And for where I would be cautious on just buying growth, at any price is is like I, I say this many times there's there's just not that many amazons out there that you know are, are able to trade at you know a thousand times earnings and then shrink that over time uh i i do think there's a good deal and there's this like there's this uh, you see this in the market a lot right now is there's people that are newer to the market that haven't gone through a bear market looking at they think over the last three to five years is long term and they think that well growth just continues in many of these tech names uh 10 to 15 years you project that out and if i buy now at 200 times earnings well it's going to grow at 40 percent every year for the next 10 years so three four years out i'm already buying it at a, a discount which would be to be a traditional valuation method well, historically, over time, in any industry, it is really hard for a company because to grow at you know, 20, 30 plus percent, 10 years running. And those companies that do that, that do provide the value that you know, you're kind of talking about uh, and that every investor is looking for are so rare that uh, projecting that many of these other companies out there that can continue to do that, competition comes in and shrinks the margins and it is difficult like it's very difficult to grow at that rate so if you're thinking and you construct your portfolio all with companies that you are betting on each and every one of those companies continuing to grow at above average rates and nothing to be a stumbling block on the way to that uh, i think you're positioning yourself um, for some trouble over the long term so that's where i would be cautious let's get into our revisiting our battle from a year ago Zebic absorption versus green lane renewables. We've had a couple listeners ask us to uh, renew the battle on these two. 
Um, I'll just get into quickly what these two companies do, then we'll get to the battle. Zebic Absorption XBC on the TSX currently trades at $4.68. Market cap is around $716 million. What do they do? Provide clean energy solutions for renewable and low carbon gases used in energy, mobility, and industrial applications. The company specializes in deploying a portfolio of proprietary technologies for distributed production of hydrogen, renewable natural gas, oxygen, and nitrogen. So that's a quick summary of Zebic XBC. Green Lane Renewables, the, the second company, GRN on the TSX, $1.60 currently, market cap $222 million. What does Green Lane do? They provide biogas upgrading systems that are helping decarbonize natural gas. The company's systems produce clean, low-carbon, and carbon-negative renewable natural gas from organic waste sources, including landfills, wastewater treatment plants, dairy farms, and food waste suitable for either injection into natural gas grid or the natural gas grid or for direct use as, as vehicle fuel. So that gives quick summary of the two. Brennan, are you good for conducting as judge, jury, and executioner on this one? I will be once I pull up my timer here because we're giving you guys each one minute, correct? Is that correct? That is correct. <clears throat> Who wants to go first? Case for Zebek, Aaron? Case for Green? Lane. Sure, I'll go first. Aaron's going okay, first. Okay, my timer is ready. So are you ready, Aaron? I'll go three, two, one, go, and then go on, go. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. Zebic is extremely well positioned to continue to benefit from the clean tech trend. Uh, financial performance has continued to accelerate. Revenue growth is very strong, up nearly 70% in the last quarter. The company has reported an increased number of profitable contracts being completed, which have also increased the company's gross profit margins during that quarterly period. The company does have some history of profitabilities. Earnings were negative in 2020 and will continue to be negative through 2021, but analyst consensus is for a breakthrough into net profit in 2022. The company just recently listed on the TSX exchange, which opens up new markets of investors as well as inclusion in key indices and ETFs. Right now, Zebic is trading at the lowest valuation relative to sales that I've seen it since I've been looking at the company. Six times expected revenue for 2021. Company's very well positioned with massive revenue growth. It has a net cash balance sheet, which it can use to, to put into. That's really? One minute? Wow. Okay. Yep. I swear it was one minute. <sighs> I think Brandon accelerated. I think that he gave no, me no, only no. 50 seconds myself, but we can, we can talk no, later. No, no, no. I was almost done no. anyway, so. I think I got a. I'm glad you got to the price to sales, though. That's good. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've been, you know, watching the stock price kind of fall here and. Yeah, I was interested yeah. in uh, what, what it's trading at. So, um, Ryan, are you ready? I am. Okay, three, two, one, go. GreenLane is in high growth mode, producing quarter-over-quarter quarter revenue growth for five straight periods. Plus, the last two quarters were EBITDA positive. Q1 2021 record revenue of 12.2 million jumped 317%. Adjusted EBITDA was 0.6 million. Again, the second consecutive quarter of positive EBITDA. Sales order backlog has grown to 37.7 million, and the sales pipeline is a massive 715 million. It just added a $9.8 million contract last month. 
Balance sheet is good with 37 million in cash and zero debt. All this versus Zebec, which significantly missed its EBITDA guidance in each of the last two years, has a history of overpromising and underdelivering. Saw its backlog decrease over the last 12 months, has less revenue growth, and lost 5.8 million in EBITDA in the last quarter. Not saying that I want to buy either, but a gun to the head choice between the two. Green Lane is a no-brainer. Tain, trading at under point or seven times price to sales too as well. Under seven times. Okay, well you got one second left, and there it goes. Wow. Again, what the heck is with Ryan? And uh, I, I thought you were supposed to talk about Greenlane, not not Zback. <laughs> hey, I just—it's a debate between the two, I isn't know, it? I know. I know. It is. It is. But uh, I mean, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Aaron because you know. He, why didn't we switch the roles there? You know, I feel I, bad for Aaron for a number of reasons, but not because of this debate. Uh, you know, I'll just you say know, one I, thing. I'll just say one thing. Yep. I didn't know who. I thought Aaron walked out there for a second. I wouldn't I have blamed him, him if he did. No, no. Uh, I was just let's say. I mean, Ryan, Ryan had a good breakdown. It's like, yeah. I mean, he he focused probably half on Zavik. I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> I would like the first thing when I looked at the two companies that we had to debate. I'm like, who picked these? But obviously, Ryan picked them. Um, Ryan chose who was going to debate which company. So I would say that, uh, you know, he, Ryan's very good at, at, at selecting which position. No to take. <laughs> Less so at the actual debate, although his debate was reasonable. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to rebut that by saying it was a listener who chose this this time last year and we flipped a coin and it went. I, well, I, I never had, saw any you coin, had Zebek and I took Green I was just told No, to... this time last year. Don't you remember debating these two this time last year? No. Oh, I remember I do debating remember. them last year. Okay, yeah, good. But I, then good. my question is why are we debating them this year? Oh, we got another question. Ah. Especially we just do what the people again, ask, right? We do what the people flips, ask. I don't see these. I'm joking around. Anyways, Ryan did a great job. Um, yes, who's, who's, and I'm sorry. Huh? Unfortunately, I have to go with Ryan. <laughs> well, of I course mean, you have to go with Ryan. I think, his, I think his he, he liked well, it, was, though. I agree, Aaron. I agree. Yeah, you know, no, I, I don't think you had a that's choice not fair. there. We needed, to, we needed to flip another coin, you know. Yeah. This one this one was one but when the you know last year when the coin right, was flipped right, um, it's, sure. I mean Zebek Zebek um working to convince yourself right Yeah. Zebek <laughs> Zebek has like good potential but again we and we debated the company or t Brennan talked about it earlier in the year the company has again Overpromised and underdelivered. It's just not something we, that we like I, to I see. Like, like we met two, Ryan and I actually met years. with the CEO yeah. a couple years ago. Um, he was he gave a great breakdown. It was a very interesting story. Um, really laid out uh, a good growth plat plat platform for the company or pathway for the company that we understood. Mm -hmm. We didn't recommend it. Um, because we just thought that it was a little too early stage. We wanted to see them hit some of these targets. You know, they did not hit the targets that, that they've had in the past. Now, some of this is due to things that are outside of their control, like COVID in 2020. Um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, the company has not hit its targets. And analysts are saying a couple pennies consensus uh, EPS in 2022. I mean, let's just say what, when I was told I had to... Uh, put together an argument to uh support investment in the company i, yeah, I wasn't tough. thrilled but yeah we should yeah. Have and, and that's not again, to but... say i don't think aaron's even saying that this company doesn't have great future no, potential I, honestly, right like, i think it, that it very yeah. much could but for me it's yes. not it's not uh it's not there yet 
I mean, and we would have, if we had them in coverage, if we would have brought them into coverage, we would have put them in the penalty box for missing a quarterly yeah. or an annual guidance uh, number twice, you know, two years in a row. The first time they would have been put in, but certainly the second time put in the penalty box. And, you know, we probably, if we covered them, would have sold them because it's uh, it's too much to miss two years running. Uh, so, you know, we'll continue to watch them. It's not like they can't get into the coverage in the future if they execute going forward. Uh, Green Lane has, uh, you know, bumped into positive EBITDA, right? So, we're, you know, I think it won the debate based on that. And there's a little more growth there as well. And not the track record of under-promising or sorry, over-promising and under-delivering. We like to see either hitting or, you know, under-promising and over-delivering. That would be good to see over the long Certainly. term. Certainly. Ideally. And did you pick a winner there, Brennan? Can we say that again? <laughs> Just so I can hear. <laughs> Do I need to? Just kidding. Yes, uh, I, I went I went with you, Ryan. Wow, you, you just want to pat yourself on the back a couple more times. You go for a victory lap. Either that or I just blanked out in the middle of this and I, and I forget. <laughs> yes, just so yes. pleased no, with himself, no. hey? Yeah, I think that's the truth. Tossing those loaded, loaded coins and being like, oh, you got Zeebik. No, Zeebik, honestly, I, 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 it's a company worth following for sure. I just think... They need to get. They need to wrap those those bottom line margins up. Um, but I mean, yeah. it, it's an interesting business. We'll continue to follow it. Definitely. And I think it's important to say at the end here. I said uh, I'm not saying that I want to buy either of these companies right now. Uh, it was just the debate between the two. We see better value in some other companies, even in the green segment or renewable segment right now, than we say between these two businesses. We were asked on these two, so we provided a debate on the two of those companies. So let's look at our uh, Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Kim's in via, or Ryan via YouTube. It's on Jack Nathan Medical. Brennan? Yes. You got Jack Thank Nathan. Thank you. I've got Jack Nathan Medical Corp. So uh, JNH on the TSX Venture, currently trading at a price of around 48 cents and has a market cap right now of about 39.5 million. So Jack Nathan Medical Corp is an omni-channel healthcare provider that builds turnkey barrier-free medical and dental clinics in high-density centers in Canada and internationally. Uh, it has two primary subsidiaries that I want to discuss. Uh, its first is under its Jack Nathan Medical Inc. subsidiary. It licenses its Walmart facilities to primary healthcare providers, as well as allied service practitioners and clinic management groups. JNH currently has 76 clinics across Canada and owns and manages 18 clinics in Mexico within Walmarts uh, with the commitment by Walmart Canada to open three new clinics in 2021 or 2022 and the commitment by Walmart Mexico to open 185 new clinics. And the second subsidiary that, that I want to talk to talk about here is its Jack Nathan Functional Health subsidiary, which was recently rolled out in the uh, and in the coming months, uh, the company aims to build and operate corporate owned and managed healthcare services throughout the JNH network, thereby driving new and increased revenues from each clinic. And the company right now has uh, about six corporate owned clinics. Um, so just a few key points that I want to address. Uh, the business has been in Walmart since 2006 and is planning on expanding its operations to Europe, Asia Pacific, uh, Mexico, uh, both through organic growth and M&A activity. JNH launched its uh, telehealth virtual care on March 17th during the pandemic, where they also promoted 
uh, on or where they also promote on Walmart's website. Um, and on May 15th, JNH partnered with Prescribe IT, allowing people to get their prescriptions electronically, which is pretty convenient. And more recently, on June 1st, uh, JNH announced the acquisition of a medical clinic in British Columbia, uh, which will become, uh, as I said, the company's sixth corporate-owned clinic. Uh, and they expect this to add high, or they expect to add high-margin additional service offerings uh, at this location in the future. So, like essentially cross-selling. Um, which they do believe will enable the company to generate additional streams of income. So looking at the recent financial results for uh, fiscal 2021, uh, revenue was $3.85 million, up over 6% from the 2020 fiscal year, uh, including all of its locations, both, both corporate-owned and licensed. It's producing about $38,500 per clinic per year, uh, so not that much per each clinic and essentially that's because it has these licensing agreements um, and that's how it's making a majority of its uh, revenue. Now adjusted EBITDA was down 20% to 209,000 from 264,000 for 2020 and they do have pretty thin adjusted EBITDA margins of about 5.4% in 2021. I believe these were a little higher uh, in 2020 of about you know 7% and again these thin margins I, I believe are, are coming from um, you know licensing and having to pay a, a bit of a, a license fee to Walmart as well to use the Walmart brand. Now adjusted earnings were a loss of about 8,000 dollars this year down from a gain of approximately 153,000 in 2020. The balance sheet looks healthy with net cash after leases and debt of approximately $7 million and the company has a trailing enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of approximately 174 times which is pricey. So looking at growth opportunities uh, going forward the company plans to open up new Walmart licensed clinics in Canada, as I said before, and about 185 new clinics in uh, in Mexico, which is great. And it plans to leverage its technology such as e-commerce with Walmart.ca, e-prescriptions, patient scheduling, and at-home healthcare, which should help facilitate some growth as well. Now, just for fun, I, I wanted to do a little bit of napkin math here and speculate that the company can get all of its additional clinics in Mexico and Canada by the end of 2022. Now, I don't know uh, how aggressive this really is. You know, this might be, uh, you know, swinging for the fences, essentially. They might not be able to get all 185 done in Mexico by the end of 2022. Uh, but anyways, let's, let's have some fun here. So if we were to use the revenue per clinic, which I mentioned before, of approximately $38,500, uh, it would provide the company with just under $12 million in total revenue per year for the company. Now, if we were to use similar adjusted EBITDA margins for this most recent year and last year of about 5 to 8%, I'll go with 8% just to be generous, that equates to approximately $960,000 in EBITDA per year, which would give us a forward enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of about 38 times. And this would be for uh, 2023 essentially, which I still believe is pretty expensive on a forward basis. Now, please take these estimates as a grain of salt, as it doesn't include any expansion of corporate-owned facilities, which I really want to see the company focus on going forward. So to conclude on JNH, I like that the company has a great partnership with Walmart and has a nice runway for growth. As I said last time I covered the stock on the podcast, I like that the company has been adding telehealth and online prescriptions to its offerings, which gives it some exposure to the health tech space and allows it to market, market its services on walmart.ca. 
Financially speaking, JNH has a great balance sheet, has been growing revenue uh, year over year, but it continues to trade with a pricey trailing enterprise value to EBITDA multiple, uh, which I'm not so fond of. But I do like that the company is focusing on expanding its corporate owned stores, which should, or which I believe uh, will increase their revenue and EBITDA margins going forward. Plus, they're trying to cross-sell within its existing clinics, which again should help increase revenue per clinic and hopefully boost margins. Now, it's an interesting story, but I still think it's an, ex it's an expensive stock where it is trading right now. If the company can focus on opening more corporate clinics and expand its revenue per clinic and EBITDA margins, uh, there could potentially be some value here, but I don't believe right now. You know, right now I would be staying on the sidelines until I see management execute uh, on what I mentioned above. Yes, um, I think that was a very good job, actually, Brennan. And what the, how I would sum that up is basically that, you know, if most of everything goes well, then they're looking at about a million in EBITDA a couple of years from now, which still puts them at a high valuation. And we can we can hypothesize on other things going well and, you know, maybe margins increase, maybe corporate store rollout um, also contributes. But when you have to start making all of these, you know, arguments based on possibilities just to get an evaluation where it's starting to approach looking reasonable, that's that's a good indication that um, that it's something you just want to sit on the sidelines on. Yeah. Yeah. And you always, you know, if you're looking at the healthcare segment or anything like that, looking at any segment, you look at where else could my capital go? And, you know, you're talking about an optimistic future in terms of where they could be in terms of valuations. Like, you know, we do an EV to EBITDA on another healthcare system or company in our coverage that is a smaller cap company as well. And, you know, they're trading around 12, 13 times and they're growing at over a hundred plus percent. Um, you know, it just, it, it's not even comparable in terms of these two companies, which company that I would rather put my capital towards. Um, you know, it's not that Jack Nathan can't, you know, have some long-term potential, but I mean, we reviewed the company in March of this start of this year, 85 cents. It's down below 50 cents now. And, you know, it's down 40 plus percent over that time. Um, it looked overvalued then. Uh, it still looks somewhat overvalued now based on the underlying EBITDA, the margin profile of the business right now. Uh, we'll continue to look at it, see if that improves over time. But, uh, you know, I can't really justify. I don't think we can justify paying the multiple the market is paying right now unless the company continues to increase revenues. Uh, and the growth rate isn't even that high. But if we could see a higher growth rate, better margins and uh, just better profitability to the bottom line, that would help the business. It's not there right now. All right, that's going to close out our show this week. Brennan, you didn't have any other JNH thoughts, did nope. you? Nope, that was perfect. Okay, you good. guys summed it up well. Thank you. Good. That'll close out our show for this week. I'd like to thank you for sending your questions to our Your Stock, Our Take segment and our debate segments as well. Ask us anything. If you want to send us any questions and keep them coming, we get more and more questions every week. We endeavor to answer those. Uh, continue to rate us and review us on iTunes uh, or wherever you get our podcast. We like that. It helps us provide good content to you going forward. And as always, I wish you profitable investing. Profitable investment. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.